0: Publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, who is the News Bureau Chief here at WFIU and at WTIU. 44% of the honeybee colonies were lost last year. People across Indiana are working to support the bee population with hives in their backyard. Not only do these hives support the ecosystem, but they can provide added benefits as well. This week, uh, today, here on Noon Edition, we're going to be discussing all things bees. So we have... uh, Four guests with us in the studio today. Roger Lee is a local beekeeper. Kayla Miller is a graduate assistant in the Newton Lab at Indiana University. Kathleen Pro is the chief apiary inspector for the Department of Natural Resources. And uh, also Jennifer Bland is here. She's the owner of The Virtuous Bee. If you want to join the program, you can call us at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition and you can follow us on Twitter. At and in addition, so it's great to have all four of you in the studio. We frequently have guests on the phone, but it's great to have all four of you here so yes. we can look you in the eye and <laughs> talk about uh, whatever we want to talk about that has has to do with, with bees. This is a really broad topic, you know, from um, – I know we've had a lot of stories in the newspaper in the last several years, and, and – Sarah has had here on the the radio about, you know, the the vast importance of bees sort of in the world ecosystem. And then, you know, of course people see bees all over and they do a lot of things in, in people's backyards. So So let's I wanna talk with, to Kayla first and the Newton Lab. What is a Newton lab? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's my uh, advisor's name, Irene uh-huh. Newton, Dr. Irene Newton. Uh-huh. So I'm a PhD candidate at the university there. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on my PhD, uh-huh. actually looking at the gut microbiome of honeybees. So the bacteria that actually live inside the honeybee gut.
0: Uh huh. Okay. So this so does this go into the, the this global picture of bees and the, what what happens when there's a loss of a bee colony? You know, what's the importance of bees and the research you're doing?
1: So yeah we're really trying to understand you know how microbial communities can really influence the host so we're trying to think of the health of the host and how it's interacting with the microbial community Mm -hmm. um and then some of the losses can be from diseases that are you know caused by microbial members Um, but really we're actually looking at healthy hives and and Mm -hmm. the healthy microbiome of the bees
0: okay good so why why should we all be worried when we hear that you know bees are in trouble you know as a worldwide situation
2: well, the biggest Catholic, thing you know. is, um, I'll speak up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I always say um, 80% of pollination is done by honeybees. We can move the hives from crop to crop, and that's why we can do it. There's, um, most of the other bees are solitary bees. They have their nest, and they go and pollinate. You cannot move them, but we can move honeybees, hives, from crop to crop. Mm-hmm. And that's what the commercial, guys, commercial beekeepers do, is move mm-hmm. them from crop to crop,
0: so we can have food food yes <laughs> basically yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, food right.
2: our vegetables our fruit uh-huh. all your fruits okay. you know, think of I mm-hmm. always say here in indiana it's strawberries blueberries apples peaches pears um, even plums mm-hmm. a watermelon we do a lot of watermelon in the um, vincennes area mm-hmm. everybody forgets about watermelons how much yeah, we right. do down there and melons mm-hmm. so they're important for okay. that right. and then for um, hobby beekeepers um i always say if you got a garden you want a beekeeper nearby so they come to your garden and pollinate your fruits and and vegetables you got in your garden Mm -hmm. and people have seen a difference Mm -hmm. with having a beekeeper nearby that their vegetables are
0: so much better So if you're out looking for a place and you want to have a garden, you should make sure you live close
3: to a beekeeper. Beekeeper, all right. Start it up. Roger, where do you live? No, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I provide a lot of bees to a lot of people. I have a lot lot of swarms, so uh, I'm good about talking about swarms but not preventing them. Uh huh. So how so? How did you get involved in uh, beekeeping? Uh, I I retired a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. and I decided I needed to find some ways to spend my time and my money. And i've accomplished both with with honeybees as as one of them so Uh i started out with two hives uh, three years ago this is my third year and uh, one of them made it through the winter and i decided well i'm going to have some more so now i've got three and now i've got five and i think i gotta put a stop to it here pretty quick (laughs) it's uh it's a lot of fun but it is time consuming and and, very enjoyable. All right. And I want
0: to, to ask Jennifer first about the Virtuous Bee. Yeah. What is
4: that? Well, it's a, it's a business that I, I just started that has natural skin care um, mm-hmm. using beeswax and honey. Uh-huh. That's central to all the products that I use. Mm-hmm. And my mentor brought me this big chunk of beeswax and asked if I could do something with it. And I tinkered around in the kitchen a little bit, and lo and behold, I found some some liquid gold. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: So are you a beekeeper too? I am, uh-huh. yeah. Right, uh, right. yeah. It, so. it all
4: just kind of came together. I retired as a hairstylist mm-hmm. after 25 years. And so I had a little bit of a background use, using products and things like mm-hmm. that. And so I had an interest there. And when I got pregnant, I kind of got weird about chemicals. Yeah. So it kind of just naturally fell into place after I retired. You know, I had this passion for bees and then I had this beeswax and it all just kind of came together and I've got this product line now mm-hmm. using very minimally processed, very few ingredients, but all quality. Okay. So I wanted to ask Kathleen. but. We've
5: been hearing a lot about this decline in bees, and you mentioned moving these beekeepers around, but is that something we used to do, or is that something that we've just started because of the decline in bees? Uh, No, there's been commercial beekeepers um, since way back. Uh, When
2: when the roads got better, yes, there's more. You know, I'd say since the 60s, we've had commercial beekeepers moving from um, different states. But um, we're a small we're mostly all hobby beekeepers here we got a couple commercial guys and they even ship them all the way out to california for the almonds to pollinate that that's the biggest crop that needs the most hives is the almonds in california and that's the only place where they're they're um grown is a uh, california in the valley is the only place they can grow in the united states mm-hmm. and uh, um so we got beekeepers from all over the united states moving them out there and then they'll be moving back throughout the States. Uh, But you know, commercial wise, they've been doing it a long time, yes. Okay. Second, third generations.
0: So I, I have to bring this up because, you know, I ask all the dumb questions, I guess, and yeah. introduce the dumb topics. But I, I kind of, you, you all four of you seem like you're really interested and really passionate about bees. And I come from this side where when I was growing up, I was afraid of them. <laughs> and I mean, are there, are there sort of this, is there this divide of people that love bees and love everything about them, and then people that are like, I'm gonna avoid them at all costs. I
4: think it's based on how much you know about them. Once mm-hmm. you get to know, they're really docile. They don't want to sting you because if they do, they die. Yeah. And if if they by chance they do sting you, usually it's your fault. And if it happens, it really doesn't hurt as bad as you think it does. It feels like somebody may have pulled a hair,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and that's that's about it.
0: I've kind of, I've grown out of most of it. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> <about>. I haven't
6: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> bad well, memories as a child. Up, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think when people
3: see a swarm or see bees in their house, one of their first reactions is to call an exterminator. Yeah. And one of the things we try to really publicize and get out to the public is please don't do that or if you call an exterminator ask them for somebody who is on a swarm call list or something like that who will come and safely and and uh, come and remove the bees and put them somewhere where they won't be bothering anybody and they'll be productive Uh, the last thing we want to see is to have somebody spray themselves or have an exterminator come in and kill a bunch of bees, unless it's just absolutely necessary. Sometimes they're in buildings and things like that where cutouts really aren't practical. They're possible. But generally, uh, you can get at them and have them safely removed instead of killing them.
0: Well, I'm curious. uh, Roger came to the Herald Times recently. We had a swarm in our parking lot and mm-hmm. you know we have an outdoor section we have a bunch of people that understand you know what you're supposed to do and so we weren't about to exterminate them but people wanted you know they're right around where people are parking people are concerned so roger when you get a call like that i mean what what do you do and and how many bees were out there that day
3: well it's kind of interesting i think i was the third person there actually <laughs> there was one person who came and observed the swarm and it at that time, it kind of took off, and he couldn't catch it. It was pretty high up. And then they came back, and I think somebody else got a call, and and some lady, I don't know who it was, came out and got the majority of them. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got there, I was kind of third pickings. Mm-hmm. And there was— I No don't offense. Know, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. There, There's probably a football-sized cluster there left. That's so I left good. a little nuke box out there with some— uh, frames in it and some swarm lure and uh, a lot of the bees went in there overnight and i came back and picked them up and combined them with another bunch of bees i had and then they took off and they're doing nicely
5: i have to ask though what it what is a swarm well
3: a swarm is the bees natural reproduction method so that's how they expand and increase their numbers so the the bees there's certain stimuli i think that that well, happen when the, mainly when
2: the, the queen gets overcrowded she has yeah. no more room to lay
3: right.
2: so that's why i tell people if you give that queen room to lay in the spring so she doesn't swarm
3: mm-hmm. yeah. and so the queen
5: hap- takes off yes well the queen, queen takes off of and the,
3: the bad part is not only do you lose your queen but you lose about half of your hive as well they go with her and start a new colony They'll hang in that tree, like at your at uh, Herald Times building, and then eventually they'll send scouts out, and they'll find a new home, and they'll leave from there and take off and populate the, their their new uh, house. house. So uh, uh, they don't stay there a long time. They don't maybe what three hours to three days. Yeah. They say something yeah, like that. Typically, so when you get a call, my first question is how high is it, because. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to climb 50 feet up in a tree at, <laughs> yeah. at this point and break my neck. Yeah. Right. Uh, but ho- usually, a lot of times, they're fairly low. Yeah. yeah. I've known
2: some people that got cherry pickers to get off the high ones yeah. Yeah. to get yeah. close to them. But the higher they are, it's harder they you can get them okay. and that. And, um, it sounds like it's yeah. probably
0: not necessary either. But they're going to leave.
2: Well, we point. can, as he said, he put the nuke down on the ground, uh-huh. so you, you kind of lure them. We use a um, swarm lure somewhat to. Um, to lure them down here, here girls, here's a good place to come, uh-huh. and hopefully they come down there and visit the the nuke box, as we mm-hmm. call it, just a small nucleus hive is what it is, mm-hmm. and make that their home. Then we can take them away. Mm-hmm. And I, but if 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 they're low enough, we can knock them into the box and take them that mm-hmm. time. But we have to get that queen mm-hmm. is a big thing. When we we get mm-hmm. a swarm, you gotta get the queen because otherwise they'll just leave and go back to the location mm-hmm. and find someplace else. So.
0: If you want to join our conversation today, 812 811 in Bloomington, or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Looks like we have a phone call already,
5: Sarah. So. Bruce is on the line, and Bruce has a question about pesticides, I think.
0: Yeah, Bruce, go ahead.
7: Uh, yeah, well, it's the... Uh I uh, guess could address the uh, whole uh, problem. I uh, get stuff from various environmental groups and act like uh, there's a major crisis with uh, uh, hive death. And I've been asked to sign petitions and send letters to ban, I believe it's called, neonicotine, uh Me. pesticides. And uh, for a while there, they were talking about mites. So
0: if uh, the guest could uh, comment on this, I'd be very grateful. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, this, okay Kathleen, go
2: ahead. Um, it's neonicotinoids, and um, what we have a problem with is uh, they are very deadly to bees. They are coating corn and soybean seeds with the neonicotinoids. The biggest problem is with corn planting. When they plant the corn, the dust behind it has that neonicotinoid in it, and if a bee flies through it, it dies. And if it drifts over to the hive, a lot of your foraging bees die. And it's that, that you know, insecticide that dies. And, and so that's the biggest thing we have to worry about is when corn planting. We don't have as much problem when they plant soybeans, but some guys have had um, bee death with uh, soybeans. It doesn't kill the hive right out you know the whole hive dies but it kills all your foraging bees and those are the ones going out and bringing food back to the hive so the hive can get weak and if it's weakened enough it can die and we worry about the pollen too with the pesticides in the pollen pesticides in the nectar even with that spray they're just using more pesticides uh, everywhere they are starting to, um, Lowe's and Home Depot are starting not to carry neonicotinoids because of this issue. Not The plants they're getting in, they don't want them um, treated the, uh, with neonicotinoids. Neonicotinoids, the plant takes it up. And if the plant has it all the way through the whole plant, we worry if the neonicotinoids in that pollen and nectar the bees are carrying are, are taking back to the hive. That's what our worry is. Mm-hmm. That's why they want to somewhat ban it. Europe banned it a couple years ago. Um, several years ago, really. And that's their big thing, because they were seeing bee deaths because of the
5: neonicotinoids. Okay. We got another question here. Somebody wondering what the difference between native pollinators and honeybees. <laughs> well, honeybees are not native.
2: Mm-hmm. and. Um, They will um, never, I always tell people, they will never be on an endangered species list because they're not native to the United States. They were brought over from Europe is what they were brought over. Our native pollinators, there's um, over 400 native bees in Indiana. And we worry about them also because they're losing habitat areas your bumblebees um, are uh, several of them are ground um nesting bees the bumblebees make a nest so there's a colony most of all the solitary bees i mean bees are solitary they all make their own little hole in the ground and lay eggs and take care of their little bit of brood they have a little bit of bees they they uh, produce and that so um we just worry about loss of habitat and loss of food for them, too. That's the same thing with the butterflies. All our pollinators we're worried about. And
5: butterflies is another one we're worried about. Monarchs, you might be sure about monarch mm-hmm. problems. I'm thinking this person might be asking yeah. about what's the difference between like having bees here pollinate something rather than take them via, a, you know,
2: well, there's an orchard bee that we call an orchard bee. It's active only in the spring and it's good for orchard, you know apples, tree, apple trees, your orchard trees. But it won't be active all year long. They're just active a couple months and then they go dormant the rest of the year, is what the thing is. And then there's other bees that are, are out all, all season long, all summer and then they go dormant winter li- wise you know it's mm-hmm. you know honeybees will co- are in a big colony they're awake and moving in the winter time the rest of the bee, um, native bees kind of go dormant to hibernate true hibernation and then wake up mm-hmm. and start over is the thing
0: right. so do, do all of you have, have hives then yeah, okay. yeah so, i think so so um, yeah Kayla, so talk about, you know, your, your first hive. I mean, what have you learned since you got your first hive?
1: Well, I was think, thinking back when you were saying that people being afraid of bees. Yeah. So, you know, I hear they're really docile. But, of course, the first time I went out, I was also kind of still terrified. Yeah. But it's totally true. They're really, really docile creatures. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, so we caught a swar- swarm recently, too. And it's kind of cool to be in, like, mm-hmm. a cloud of bees and, like, slightly terrified. But you know they're <laughs> not actually going to do anything.
3: With, the, yeah. with a suit on,
1: though. Yeah. 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 so, but, yeah, they're really they're really beautiful on on lovely creatures and, uh-huh. and it's so cool to fight with them, yeah, yeah. Fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, so, so we
1: yeah. have three hives north of campus that we uh-huh. get to take care of and use for our research. So how do you
0: take care of them? What do you do?
1: Uh, mostly, we just feed them, um, mm-hmm. check on them, make sure they have enough space so they don't swarm. Um, we don't actually take any of their products. We don't take uh-huh. their honey or anything yeah. from them. So mm-hmm. we just kind of make sure they stay alive.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So and, and if they don't have enough space, then what do you do? You separate parts yeah, so of them. Yes, you can add
1: boxes on top, extra yes, frames gotcha. for them to build their homes on, um, or you can yeah, split yeah. the hive. We've done that as well yeah. um, and kind of build up their, their space that they can
0: have. Okay. So, Jennifer, how do you take care of yours? Because you're using product, right?
4: Well, I'm using – I'm hoping to expand my apiary to the point where I can use just mine and keep it self-sustainable. Right now I'm using it from Hunter's Honey. I guess. Um I baby my bees in a big way. They're my children. I talk to them. I'll rescue them if they fall into the pool. I'll take them and blow them off and put them in my little apiary. Um, but yeah, same thing. Bee management. You just check them one or two times a week and make sure they have everything they need. And
0: mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I mean, I, just I, love you know, them love like children. I said, I'm asking the dumb question. So, <laughs> no, what's no. everything they need? I mean, for a bee, what? Mm. What?
4: Well, they don't really. They yeah. don't really need a whole lot. They're okay. pretty self-sustaining. They're in one way. There's you know thousands of them, but it, you can also look at them as one organism. One sort of organism. Yeah, and yeah. they work together like a well-oiled, well-oiled machine. Uh-huh. It's the most amazing process. We have a lot to learn about humanity by watching the bees <laughs> yeah. help each huh. other.
0: Yeah. No. Kathleen, you um,
2: sound like, well, like what you bees, add. bees yeah. need is th- th- what all bees need is pollen. That's a protein source and nectar. Most of the sol- solitary bees they're after the pollen mostly. That's what they feed their young. The honey bees will collect the honey and the pollen. Pollen is, as I said, is a protein source for it to feed the larva stage of the bee, and also um, mm. for the adults. Mm-hmm. But the um, honey is for they have enough food for the winter. You always hear about ants storing enough food for, right. to make it through the winter. Same with honeybees. They have to store enough food for the winter. And, okay. that, and that's the main thing we, we watch in the spring. Um, right now, May was a good um, honey, honey season, really. Mm-hmm. They build up. Um, I already took off honey off a couple yeah. of my hives.
3: I did, too. I yeah. got 50 pounds, yeah. believe it or not. So. Yeah,
2: I didn't get that much, but <laughs> I had one swarm. That's why. So yeah. did the honey
3: locust bloom this year? Yeah.
2: Or not? Oh, the black locust it's the black locust everybody says honey locust black locust it's uh, um it's not native really to indiana it's kind of an invasive tree in a way It's a weak tree too but black Mm -hmm. locust when it's in bloom you can smell it and the bees love it tulip poplar is another one that's blooming right now that the bees will go to Mm -hmm. and then we're waiting for some of the wildflowers to start see your native bees will go to your native wildflowers but honeybees will also visit them Okay. Uh, and then that that's a big thing. You, you want flowers in your yard? You're gonna get bees probably, <laughs> and butterflies and all the native bees. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to take a short break. Uh, okay. We're talking we're talking about all things uh, that are related to bees today, on uh, Noon Edition. We have four guests with us in the studio. I'll let, I'll reintroduce them right after we take the take this short break. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from The Herald Times along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. We're talking about bees today and uh, honeybees and native bees and all sorts of issues about bees and anything that you want to talk about about bees today with, with four guests. Jennifer Bland, the owner of The Virtuous Bee, Roger Lee, a local beekeeper, Kathleen Pro. Chief Apiary Inspector for the DNR, and Kayla Miller is a graduate assistant in the Newton Lab at Indiana University. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition.
5: During the break, we were talking more about bee swarms and whether those are a good or a bad thing, but it looks like... The decision is is mixed here. Um, Can you you explain sort of what's going on?
3: Yeah, it's good and bad, I think. If you're uh, looking for free bees, it's a good thing if you can catch them. If you're the beekeeper the bees came from, (laughs) it may not be so good um one of the good things about swarms i think is we the first caller i think uh, talked about varroa a little bit and i don't know if we discussed that we probably spend the whole hour talking about varroa mites if we wanted but they're a big problem and probably the number one problem i think of uh, of bees uh, nationwide or maybe worldwide i don't know um and one of the things a swarm does it interrupts the uh, cycle the breeding cycle of the bees the varroa mite gets uh, into the uh, capped larva of the bee and infects the larva during that stage. And if the queen leaves and she isn't laying eggs, there's no larva, th- that interrupts the varroa's life cycle and decreases the population. So it may help
5: a little bit, yeah. may
3: help a little yeah. bit, okay. uh, uh, interrupt that cycle and keep your varroa population down and your bees health- healthier.
5: But if yeah. they're on the move, I guess I'm just thinking it seems like they are more likely to run into folks who, who want to kill them. And if that's the yeah. queen, doesn't that then jeopardize that whole colony or? Mm-hmm. Before she I... leaves, uh,
2: before a queen leaves uh, in a swarm, they'll make queen cells, repla- replacement queens. And uh, they can um, have her lay an egg in the queen cell and they will feed that um, larva of the queen cell royal jelly. They have a gland in their head, the worker bees. By eating pollen, they can produce royal jelly. And that's what's fed to that queen larva and also as a queen adult. and that. But, but only, she, to that,
0: only to that queen larva? Well, and the,
2: um, the other larva, the uh-huh. workers and drones, yeah. also get a little bit of royal jelly. Uh-huh. Just a little bit. Just a little? Okay. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> okay. But the queen gets lots. I like to see lots of royal jelly in that queen cell when I see it. So there's replacement ones for when she takes off at that stage you're fighting a swarm you know it's hard to stop them from swarming mm-hmm. and that but once she leaves in that swarm we try to catch her and put her in a new hive that's uh, increase our population of hives we have but also what happens with it it helps with the varroa mite cut because um that cell takes um from queen from egg to hatch is 16 days and then we have to wait about 10 days um well five days for her to mature enough to fly and then when she goes on her mating flight you got about three days there and then it's about 10 days after she hatches that she starts laying eggs so you've got a real interruption Mm -hmm in the viral mites um, reproducing there mm-hmm. they only reproduce in the cells of the um mm-hmm. bees is the thing um, larva stage of the bee so that helps but um the big mm-hmm. problem with when they swarm you get less honey off of them if you're wanting to get honey off your hives you're going to get less that year mm-hmm. and that you know it, but and you got to make sure the queen new queen is laying good too mm-hmm. I, I always tell people Beekeepers, keep an eye on your queens. If she's not doing her job, it's off with her head and put a new queen in there. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. Yeah. Wow. If, yeah. I, if
2: I was yeah.
0: just to, to go, you know, if I was, you took me uh, all equipped and everything, I'm looking at the, You know, how am I going to identify the queen? Would it be easy for me to identify queen? I always she's
2: tell people, look for eggs. If there's uh-huh. eggs, there's a queen. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She's a
1: lot different. It takes a little while to kind of spot her, but once you notice her, you won't yeah. mistake her. Uh-huh. They're a lot, keep your lot eye bigger. Eye on her. Her.
2: Yeah, she's
4: okay. bigger. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And some people mark them. Yeah, yeah, so, so we, color, we know that's the queen. We put them, them,
4: in, them, there. them yeah. in there. It's a lot like playing Where's Waldo. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah.
3: They're good at hiding, though. Like Jennifer says, some people mark them to make it easier. I think this year's color is white or something, and people We'll mark them with a little white dot on their back to make them easier to spot in the hive.
0: All right, we're going to go to the phone. So uh, Sharon is calling in from Greensburg. Sharon, go ahead.
7: Hi, thank you. Nice to uh, talk with all of you. I'm calling because I wanted to know if there's any activity in uh, groups or individuals who support beehives through um, helping maybe defray the cost or the expenses of it. Um, or if there are any advice lists for plants for gardeners uh, that are uh, bee-friendly plants that are maybe native to the state. Thank you so much for taking my call.
3: All right, Sharon. Thank you. Who wants to try that, uh, Roger? As, as far as uh, bee-friendly plants, if you just do a, a Google search or something, you can come up with all kinds of hits on uh, resources. Even Indiana, probably your I, the I've DNR I've got a probably. list. Yeah, I have
2: a list for bees. Hmm. Um, in Paul, uh, Indiana Native Plant uh, I remember Association, they have um, a list of native plants. Um, mm-hmm. I have on DNR Division of Entomology, you'll find a list of um, gardening for bees. There will be a list mm-hmm. of plants, and I try to plant uh, put a, what they will produce for the bees and when they bloom too. And The big thing with bees and native bees also, and any of the pollinators, we need something blooming all the time, mm-hmm. spring through fall. Mm-hmm. And the biggest time we need something blooming is really July into August. Yeah, in
3: the hot summer uh, months. Once, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And there's a, some native ones. Uh, one of my favorite during that time is um, Joe weed, Ironweed. They're they're tall though. You know, they get five to six feet tall. So you gotta mm-hmm. have you know get them up there, and then mm-hmm. and uh, um, Uh, Liatris is another one that blooms at that time. Coneflower is a great one. Mm -hmm.
5: Buckwheat, buckwheat, buckwheat. Buckwheat Buckwheat in the
3: fall is my favorite. It makes (laughs) a real dark honey Honey, that's a little bit on the on like molasses. Yeah. Some people really like it. Some don't like it. But I happen, it's really good. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well,
0: yeah. Let's talk about honey for for a minute because you know you. Honey seems to be one of those foods that you go into a store now and it's really kind of a specialty food and you get all kinds of buckwheat honey, you're talking about? Yeah, I guess.
2: buckwheat, yeah. I Clover
0: know. honey and I mean, all sorts of different kinds of things. So you talked about, Roger, you took 50 pounds of honey already? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. What, what's a typical year for you with the highs well, you have?
3: Uh, zero has been the typical year in, <laughs> in, in the past. And uh, When you're starting out, at, you're, you're usually just basically trying to build your colony up and, mm-hmm. and uh, get it to the point where it's going to make it through the winter. That's your yeah. goal of the first year, pretty mm-hmm. much. And if you get honey, it's mainly kind of a miracle or a real blessing anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, they do better. This is my third year, and I finally got my point, my colony to a critical mass, I guess, enough that, wow, everything just came together and the weather is you know, out of our yeah. control. But when the weather's good, you get a good honey flow, lots of uh, nectar coming in, then that's just a bonus. Bonus, and, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it, you just you just don't know. You don't know how your colony is going to, how healthy it is, how good the population, How much, like Kathleen said, how many times it's going to swarm. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the weather and, and all that. So it, it's it's just, you just never know.
0: Well, again, so for my elementary um, you know, I'm, you I'm year. trying to learn about this. So, so you talked about how bees are making the honey so to help sustain them mm-hmm. for the yeah. year. So how do you know when to take honey off and how do you know whether you've taken you've left enough for them to be able to to survive the winter?
4: The weight of the though high, yeah. And, and high Roger has idea. brilliantly built a little a scale a little, scale yeah. high scale yeah, right? a little hive, huh? portable
3: hive scale. hive
2: scale yeah you put the um hive on the scale and it'll tell you how high, how heavy it is and it, you'll see it go up and down during the season too mm-hmm. is the funny thing but uh, by um fall or well, september i always say late september you want it pretty heavy you know um taking off honey we want to take off capped honey they when they put it in the comb They'll put it in there, dry it out, they have a way of drying it, and once it's just right, they cap it over. The moisture is 18% or less is what we ideal moisture of honey. It gets higher than that, it can ferment or crystallize real fast is the thing. But 18%, they cap it, we can pull it out at that stage Mm -hmm. and and then do it from there and that's why we're taking off honey now. They're already capping honey, so we can take it off, extract it, and throw it right back on the hive for them to fill up again, mm-hmm. is what yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> and that. But um, different types of honey also is the different types of plants. Mm-hmm. Like black locust honey will be really light and have a unique taste. It won't be as sweet, uh, uh, sugary sweet as clover honey um the white clover is blooming right now um bee, i've mm-hmm. seen some bees on yeah. it mm-hmm. as long as we get rain that white clover in your yards will bloom and a good source for bees um some people a lot of beekeepers are starting to raise buckwheat you know if they have some property they put buckwheat in there just to um, produce buckwheat honey for the bees that's all the reason why they're growing mm-hmm. it is for the bees and then um, i know hunter's honey he he has a farmer that grows buckwheat and um for the grain and he gets buckwheat honey there he puts his hives near that and gets some honey off that it's real dark honey so it deep um, the later the season is we get darker honey um, our uh, august september honey is a darker honey it's a um, amber color honey is what we call it and goldenrod goldenrod mm-hmm. is goldenrod dark. Is good.
5: yeah it crystallizes up fast though goldenrod mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I keep getting hung up on this number: forty-four percent of colonies lost in the last mm. year. So, mm. what are some things? Is it possible to turn that trend around? We're trying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we restore the number of bees? Do we need mm. as many as we used to have?
3: That must or be nationwide, I guess.
5: Nationwide,
3: I think. yes. I belong to a number of clubs in the area, and it seems like locally here, anyway. I, I don't, you know, more than I would maybe, Kathleen, but uh, locally, it doesn't seem to be that high in, in this area from the people in our clubs to what they yeah import. our
2: winter wasn't that high um, we lost a lot last fall mm. um, there's guys losing them in october and november and it might be because of varroa mites well, the population got high enough of varroa mites in the hive they pass on viruses to the bees and you're, you're getting chewed on and sucked down by these varroa mites and then you got viruses and you're hatching out with deformed wings and can't do your job you know so mm. we have to keep that varroa mite population down too And then loss of habitat and there's not enough food out there um we're also weather oriented bees are very weather oriented if we don't get enough rain in august and september those um that gold rod and aster do not produce um, nectar and pollen that the bees need for the fall Uh, a couple years i've seen oh my gosh start feeding your bees people we can feed them sugar water to supplement them to get some more um supplies in there they can get it through the winter we want about 60 to 80 pounds i like closer to 80 pounds of honey for they have for the winter
4: so we don't take it all we have Mm -hmm. to leave a lot back for the bees and i think shows like this help gain interest the more people that get bees you know the better it's going to be and we heard last night at the bee meeting that Mm -hmm. Bees are apparently the new chickens. So that's <laughs> the yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of beekeepers yeah, with chickens that. and bees. Yeah, yeah.
0: That is funny. All right. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition.
5: So this awareness, does this give you hope that we're... Saving the bees or like these diseases. I mean, are we having well, we any f- fixing? We've got lots more research. Her,
2: the research he's doing here in in Bloomington helps too. Um, a, a healthy gut, healthy bee will you know be healthy and prospers. The thing you know, the colony will be healthy. Is the thing. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I
1: think there's a lot of problem. Everyone always asks, you know, what's the, the main issue? But I think it's really a combination of factors. So yeah, that's exactly. why it's yeah, so yeah. hard yeah. to solve the problem. And yeah. so, you know, there's climate change, habit, habitat change. Also, the commercial bees are getting, you know, like high fructose corn syrup. syrup for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Their, ja- their diets are changing, which might change their, their gut microbiome, Co- yeah. which yeah. might yeah. change the yeah. their monoculture health,
3: so. they're on. Yeah. 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 yeah, not
1: the diversity of pollen and nectar they're getting. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: looking at nutrient nutrition for the bees even.
1: For nutrition for humans, and yeah. they're doing it with bees too. But yeah, I think yeah. more hives are important. I think getting you know local you well, know people we've got, backyard bees. We got a big increase of
2: beekeepers, so, uh, hobby beekeepers, because of all this mm-hmm. um, information. We also mm-hmm. get more research money for federal research money for mm-hmm. this problem too.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, one of our things our beekeeping clubs are trying to do is encourage people to to obtain and keep local queens mm-hmm. that have been bred and raised locally within the area of the state of indiana or nearby so that they've shown that they can go through the winter they're adaptable they're hardy they're used to the climate and the weather and uh, and just we just feel that they're better than the the queens of the bees that are shipped in from maybe california or georgia Georgia, uh, since they're locally adapted to the to our winters and our weather here so we we we're all trying to do that we're sharing bees and sharing queens and swarms and everything else trying to encourage the uh, local population to stay strong
0: all right we have a phone call from uh, martinsville and it's martin who's in martinsville (laughs) go ahead
7: Hi, uh, I just have a question about uh, different kinds of honey, and also kind of relating to um, the feeding
6: of the bees. Um, okay, and that's
7: mm-hmm. the, when I lived in Germany for a couple of years. They had, of course, uh, Germany has a very vibrant honey culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one one of my favorite honeys that I ate there was called oak forest honey, and apparently it was a honeydew honey, mm. and the, the, the bees would actually go and eat the uh, what I believe was actually the uh, the byproduct from like um, aphids, uh, other smaller yeah. insects, yeah, <laughs> aphids, and I mean, it was just the most delicious honey that I've ever had, pretty much. But uh, I was wondering if if that is ever produced here in the states or in Indiana in particular, and if things like that can be a substitute for uh, for like flowers uh, in, in the late summer, in particular, uh, if the forests are a, a, a good uh, food source for the bees with the honeydew from the aphids since we have such wonderful hardwood forest here.
2: Well, they can help. I know some guys say they are going to get oh, honeydew. Mm-hmm. We'd rather get them from the flowers, I, th- I think, you know. Um, but um, we don't, you know, our hardwoods are limited. We are trying to get more hardwood forest out there, you know. and and you want a variety in those forests sometimes too so you put them by forest you might get some honeydew we can't say for sure it's all honeydew though that's the thing right. you know yeah. and so we'll have unique you know if you buy woods you know forests you'll, your honey will taste different than if you're by um, all fields or in us um indianapolis let's say They'll, the honey will taste a little different in the, each um environment because of what the bees can go to and that so um that's a big thing but we won't have the old oak wood forest um honey that they have in germany because so, you know we cut them down and we're rebuilding because <laughs> that's the thing is uh, that's yeah. a big thing
0: was you
3: know yeah who knows where they go they fly what a three to five mile radius of the hive generally yeah. going in search of nectar and pollen so mm-hmm. They could go anywhere and, and you know that's yeah. one of the difficulties of people trying to claim they have organic honey if you will that you, you don't know where they went and if the flower or the plant they visited happened to be treated with some pesticide or herbicide or something like that So it's really difficult i think to maintain you've got organic honey even though you may not treat your hives with anything any synthetic chemicals. You just It's really hard to claim that. Organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: But, you know, every every state will have different honey, too. You know, you go down to Florida, the big thing is the tu- talupo,
0: Tupelo,
6: t-
2: tupelo <laughs> honey. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And the orange blossom honey. You know, right. that's the big thing down there. We don't have those up here. <laughs> they don't grow in our, our climate, for one thing. Mm-hmm. And so you get different things, you know. Um, one beekeeper, he started um, his... Company with the again, blueberry blossom honey. So the bee, beekeeper moves them into the blueberry field as they're blooming, and he pulls off the honey as soon as the blueberry blossoms are done. He can label it as blueberry blossom honey. That will taste different than if you you collected it some other time during mm-hmm. the season. So it, you know, they just get um, here. You know, so you know, there's cranberry honey too. You put them in the cranberry fields, and get honey off of them than than too, And that will have a different taste, too. So here, sometimes, as I said, um, in the spring, we get them from the um, basswood, which is a linden, and the black locust, and it's a real light honey. During the summer, we'll get clover honey, which is a light honey. But if you leave it on and take off your honey in August, it'll be darker, and it Mm -hmm. could be multiple um, places where you
4: got your honey from. Mm -hmm. And Uh, that's a really great thing for for allergies.
6: Yeah. Uh If yeah, you for get, allergies. Yeah, yeah.
4: The, whatever it is that okay. the honey is the source from, it's gonna really help that and the pollen. The pollen, Vocal especially honey. if you don't filter it, <laughs> mm-hmm. then all the pollen that's inside of the honey and all the properties of the honey will help you yeah, yes. combat yeah. the allergies. Okay,
0: so that was that's Jennifer Bland from the the Virtuous Bee, and I wanted to go back to Jennifer and ask about some of the products that you know are made yeah. with honey, and you know and you know, why
4: you've created a business out of it. Honey and beeswax are two of the most amazing materials on the earth. That and coconut oil. Those are the three (laughs) things that I could live off of forever. (laughs) They have their humectants, their antifungals, their antibacterial, their anti-aging, cellular renewal. It's just, it goes on and on and on. Uh And I've played around with different things. I've got um, balms like a salve Mm -hmm. that is for different uses i've got body butters that's super moisturizing there's a lot of properties that i haven't marketed them as because like sunscreen Mm -hmm. i can't say that they have a sunscreen Mm -hmm. to them because i haven't tested it for that but each of the individual properties beeswax on its own has a natural sunscreen as does honey as does coconut oil Mm -hmm. um but i've tried them on in so many different ways i've put it my husband had um, poison ivy, and he rubbed his eyes. Mm-hmm. And there's
6: mm.
4: not very many things that you can put on your eyes. So I handed him, you know, <coughs> one of my body butters, and he put some on his eyelids. And he came home from work, and it was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so you know, it's like I said, pretty exhaustive what all the properties are of beeswax and honey. Okay. Right.
0: We have about uh, 10 minutes to go, a little less than 10 minutes. If you have a, a, a last question, you can slide it in here on the program today. 812-8550-811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is where you can join the live chat, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition.
5: Kaylee, you were talking about this whole list of things that's contributing to the decline in honeybees. We did a piece this week, I don't know if you did too, Bob, about pesticides sort of in your backyard that Mm -hmm. people had not thought about. Yeah, so
1: that's one of the stuff we've already been talking about is that, you know, you don't really know where the bees are going. And Mm -hmm. so they can travel to any types of flowers. So it might not, you might not treat the flowers in your backyard, but, you know, the bees are going to go travel to someone else that might be using pesticides and then, you know, bring that back to the hive and those are their food sources. So it just kind of gets, you know, around in the hive. Uh,
2: Well, big thing, homeowners follow the label. (laughs) Treat how they say they'll treat. Because the thing is they say homeowners Use more pesticides than farmers do. You know, or, or misuse it, is the misuse. It. You know, they over, um, use it. Is mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that's a big thing. But yeah, um, if you got some bugs on your, um, your plants, um, sometimes the plants will take care of it. Outgrow the um, chewing bug, is a thing. But um, there's other bugs. You just have to watch what you spray on your your plants. I hate seven powder. For sure, Mm -hmm. because the bees can get in that stuff when you sprinkle it on your um, plant, especially on the flowers. If it's on the flowers, you're going to get bees to it, native bees, honey bees, any kind of pollinator that wants to visit that flower. And if it's uh, powder, they can get it on their hairs, on their bodies. Mm -hmm. And and then when they clean themselves, Mm -hmm. they eat the the pesticide. But, yeah, um, you just have to watch your um, pesticides. Mm -hmm and um those nice green lawns like a little clover in my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> did
3: you happen to see that the latest article i can't remember where it was from bee culture or something where they did a study it might have been in england i don't know if it was here where they found 30 different pesticides and, and uh, herbicides in, in pollen samples there. oh yeah
1: yeah. yeah, I don't remember if it was that one specifically, yeah. but yeah, it was way more than people expected. Yeah, it was huge. I surprised yeah. that they were finding all those
5: extra, yeah. extra types in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you all looked at all into cell phones and if those play oh. a yeah, role? I don't think so. No. no.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. oh, we heard that one, yeah. Colony Collapse Disorder first came about. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was oh, a sample. Cell, cell phone towers. Like, yeah. yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I've yeah. not even
0: heard this. So, what was this? Was some weird rumor?
2: The, the yeah. wavelengths wave from the cell cell phone you know was um, interrupting Um, their flight patterns
4: and I guess having power lines I've got power lines above my hives and it hasn't affected them but then I saw it actually could maybe help I saw a thing where they use this small amount of electromagnetic field from a plant to gauge how they're coming in mm-hmm. as okay, to yeah. instead yeah. of looking at it that's what they use to gauge like mm. off it bounces off their little hairs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. that's how they and use like to navigate so maybe it's yeah. helpful to help them find home if i have yeah. a power <laughs> <line somewhere. laughs>
3: you know jennifer mentioned a little while ago the benefits of honey and, and I probably should qualify that in terms of Used natural honey from local beekeepers here that mm-hmm. has not been heated, has not been super yes. filtered, and it has nothing else in it besides honey. That's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the little bears and things like that you find <laughs> in the store. Mm-hmm. Not so good. Okay. Yeah, I always say,
2: look for um, your honey near the produce, not by the peanut butter and jelly. You because
3: know? <laughs> yeah. it could be <laughs> well, it's
2: more local honey. Could be by from the produce
3: countries maybe. that have you know use pesticides and herbicides. That are, it could be laced with that. It could be mostly sugar water. You're and you're paying for <laughs> yeah. honey. So support your local people around <laughs> here, at the yeah. farmers market or in the store that are selling mm-hmm. pure, natural, unheated, unfiltered honey. All
0: right, we have another call. This one's from Bloomfield. So Carl, go ahead.
7: Yeah, good afternoon. My name is Paul here in Bloomfield, Indiana. This is my second year of keeping bees. And one of the things that I realized early on is that I needed to control varroa mite, and I started using a product called oxylic acid. I don't know if you guys have talked about yeah. that. I come, nope. I come in halfway. <laughs>
2: No, we didn't um, touch on the treatments for Mm. bromites. There's several treatments
3: is the thing. Roger, why don't you go ahead. Uh, I've been experimenting with it for quite a while. I've actually uh, made my own vaporizers, uh, homemade ones, and and I'm on my third prototype now. And uh, I think I'm finally getting it down, but the idea is you put some... oxalic acid, which is essentially wood bleach, and, and heat it up to about 380 degrees Fahrenheit, and it sublimates into a, a gas, which is mostly formic acid. And I'm not sure they know how it kills the mites or not, but they think it's such small particles that it clogs their breathing tubes, and the, the bees' are, tubes are big enough that it doesn't uh, doesn't affect the bees at all. So. It kills the mites that are on the bees. It doesn't kill the mites that are in the cells, the capped larva, and things like that. So it's you have to do multiple treatments over a period of time for it to really be effective. I think. Yeah. And and so, the
2: label says honey supers have to be off. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's true. Okay,
0: Carl. Thanks. Anything else?
2: Nope. That's good. Thank you very much. All, All right. Have fun.
0: Thank yeah. you. Okay. We have we have two minutes to go. So I want each of you to give thirty seconds. Last mm-hmm. thing you want people to know about you know bees. Anything we missed or anything you want to reiterate?
3: i just say uh, if you're interested in bees, support your local beekeeping clubs. We have a, a nice club here in Bloomington called the Bee Town Bee Club. And there's also White River Beekeepers and Spencer's. So if you have questions about bees or want to learn about bees so, or get started in bees, please uh, go to one of those and, and and please attend. Okay, thanks, Roger.
1: Something we said off. already a couple of times, but don't kill bees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't call an exterminator. You know, keep them safe. Mm-hmm. We need them to pollinate our plants. And and uh, if you like fruit and add, and almonds, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> make sure you support your your honeybees. Mm-hmm. All
4: right, Jennifer. If you have ever even considered for a half a second getting bees, do it because it you. you can never learn enough it's you become super passionate about it it's the best thing i've ever done all right Mm
0: -hmm. kathleen 30 seconds
4: um big thing is they is some of what they
2: say go to a local um new beekeepers go to a local club the beekeepers will help you out we do not have anything there Well, we'll get you the beehive and the equipment you have to pay for that yourself Mm -hmm. but the local clubs is a way to learn and talk to other beekeepers and find out they have field days where you go in the hives there's a state association where we're coming up with a meeting that we're going to be going in the hives that's how you learn and if if you you're really interested um, go to a club and ask see Mm -hmm. if you can go with a beekeeper
0: okay and in the hive all right we're gonna have to gonna have to shut this off (laughs) but i want to thank jennifer bland uh, from the Virtuous Bee, Roger Lee, a local beekeeper, Kathleen Pro from the Indiana DNR, and Kayla Miller, a graduate assistant in the Newton Lab at IU. For producers Sophia Salaby and J.D. Gray, also engineer Mike Pashkash and Sarah Whitmire. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.